Well, good morning. Um, If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open to Matthew chapter 18. That's where we will be this morning. Matthew chapter 18, and we'll be in verse 21, or starting in verse 21. Um, That can be found on page 695, and I think it goes on to page 696 in your pew Bible. Um, I want to thank Dr. Spawn for giving me the opportunity to preach this morning. Um, I, I joked in the um, in the first service that this Sunday, I think, is a particularly difficult um, Sunday to preach in the state of Alabama. Um, there was a big game, as many of you are aware, that happened last night. So depending on what side of that rivalry you are, um, you are either feeling really good or not feeling very good right now. But I think in whatever case, uh, it is a good thing uh, to be here and to worship the Lord together. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, starting verse 21. This is um, our last parable uh, of the parable series. We've been studying parables for several weeks now, and um, I, I just want to say I've been particularly challenged uh, with these parables. I think, uh, of course, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as the wonderful teacher he is, um, really wants to pierce our hearts and, and, and challenge us in ways as we think about these different themes and and, and, uh, topics that come up in our life and and why he is teaching on these these certain things. And so um, I've been challenged, but it has also been really, really good for my soul as we've been working through these parables. And I hope it has been the same for you. So Matthew chapter 18, starting verse 21, and I'm going to read through verse 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When Peter asked this question to Jesus... 
how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Um, Peter, I don't think, is asking an unreasonable question. I really don't. I think he's asking a question that, that you and I have perhaps asked before in our own life. How many times are we really supposed to forgive somebody that has repeatedly wronged us or, or has repeatedly hurt us or, or in, in the worst instances, uh, committed uh, some kind of act of violence or, or something that is, is really, really bad? How often are we supposed to forgive that person? I think when Peter asks this question, he recognizes three things that I think are worth mentioning here as we get going. Number one, you and I live in an imperfect world. Um, We don't have to look far and wide to know that this is true. But because of that, because we live in an imperfect world, we also have to recognize that we are an imperfect people. You and I have a tendency to hurt and to offend, to wrong people, whether we mean to or whether we don't. Um, that's who we are as sinful, broken people. We are imperfect. and We are in, in an imperfect world. But I think in this question, too, Peter is getting at something. I think Peter recognizes that forgiveness has the ability to heal and to reconcile and to restore relationships in an imperfect world with imperfect people, right? Forgiveness is this, Peter sees that it has this potential, that it has this, this ability to be a cure, to be a remedy for, for bad things or for when we feel wronged or, or slighted or hurt, right? But in this question too, Peter's question, I think, leads leads us to to think about this. Peter believed that forgiveness at least has to be somewhat limited. It's by the question he asked, right? Forgive up to seven times? Seven times? I think if we're honest with ourselves, you and I believe, um, and we can function similarly. I think we can function in such a way where we believe forgiveness is and can be limited. Um, I'm reminded of this on a somewhat frequent basis. I um, I live not far off of of 280, and for any of you that uh, are familiar with 280 and know 280, as I'm again most of you I'm sure are, uh, it can be very not fun to to drive on 280, especially at particular times of the day, and. you know, even just this past week, I, I, I merged um, out into, I wanted to merge um, onto 280 coming off Overton Road right there, and uh, some guy cut me off, and I was furious. I mean, just absolutely, absolutely furious that he cut me off. Um, but at the same time, um, I'm an imperfect driver as well, and I'm and have uh, cut off more than my fair share of people as well. And, and I want forgiveness from them, right? This is how we kind of operate. Sometimes we, we are prone to believe that forgiveness can be limited or, or that it only applies to certain situations or, or in certain contexts or with certain people. But Jesus' response, Jesus gives this, this beautiful 
beautiful principle of what forgiveness really is all about. Jesus responds, well, no, don't, for, don't forgive just seven times, but 77 times. Some translations there, it, it might be 70 times seven. Really, the point is this. The point is this, that, that forgiveness is inexhaustible. The forgiveness that we are capable of offering to others, it cannot be exhausted. But actually, the forgiveness that we can extend to one another is one of the distinguishing marks of what it means to be a Christian. Forgiveness is a distinguishing mark of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus lays this out very early on in, in, in his ministry. In the Sermon on the Mount, he, he's teaching the disciples, right, how to pray. And we know that prayer, that prayer well. We say it here every week. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is, this is the principle of what it means, that offering forgiveness is this, this joyous, this, this responsibility that we have as believers. But you and I know that this is far, far from easy. So, like Jesus typically does, he, he gives a story, he gives a parable to kind of illustrate this principle, the fact that, that forgiveness is inexhaustible. And so he tells this story about this master and this servant and this, this second servant. And so Jesus clues us in. He says, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his, with his servants. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, he's pointing to this truth, this, this reality of, hey, th this is how things are meant to be. This is how it really is with the way that God operates in his kingdom. So he tells the story, uh, uh, a servant owed a master 10,000 bags of gold. Again, some translations there could say 10,000 talents of gold. The bottom line is this, 10,000 bags of gold was a lot, a lot of money. It was a lot of money. Um, some scholars estimate that it was around 20 years' worth of, of a daily worker's wages. 10,000 bags of gold. A whole lot of money. This is what, he, what this servant owed. Of course, he wasn't able to pay it, and so there's a rightful consequence. When you, you can't pay up, that there's, there's a consequence for that. And so it seems harsh, but the consequence is, look, wife and children, your family, are going to have to be sold to repay the debt. The servant clearly, as most of us, right, doesn't want that, and so he begs, be patient. I will pay back everything. And then, just like that, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Um, when we're up to this point in the story, it, 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 it's, it's beautiful. We, we see forgiveness, right, as it's supposed to be. But then the servant goes out, has another servant who owes him money, owes him a hundred silver coins. Okay? A, a day worker would make about one silver, he would get one silver coin a day for his work. Okay? So a hundred silver coins, uh, about a hundred days worth, worth of work, a little over three months. Right? I just want, I want you to notice here that the 
incongruity, right? So, so here we have uh, 100 days worth of work. We have 10,000 bags of gold, so 100 silver coins, 10,000 bags of gold. Some scholars uh, can reasonably estimate <laughs> that um, compared, if you put this in fraction form, right, 100 silver coins to 10,000 bags of gold, it's one six hundred thousandth. Doesn't even compare, right? What the first, what the servant owed back to the master is infinitely more than what the second servant owes the unmerciful servant. We can see that there's a pretty big incongruity here, right? We see that this, this doesn't add up. And I think there's a, perhaps a tendency for you and me to think, well, you know what, this, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, I see the incongruity here. Of course, this couldn't be me. Surely, I would never act in such a way. Um, but I do truly, truly believe that this parable, and I think what Jesus meant for this parable to be, is to at least in part be a warning to us for when we fail to forgive. Bottom line, you and I as Christians, as believers, are called to extend forgiveness to others because God, in and through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, has first forgiven us. Right? We extend forgiveness to others because God, in and through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, first forgave us. Paul knows this principle. He wrote this in Colossians 3.13 when he's writing the Colossians and, and he says, look, bear with each other. And if any of you have a grievance uh, with one another, look, look, forgive that person because God in Christ forgave you. I think the question that you and I need to ask as we think about this parable do you and I, do we realize how much we truly, truly need to be forgiven? Do we, truly, do we truly know that? Do we truly feel that deep within our heart and deep within our soul? Um, we don't just need forgiveness just, just some of the time or in these certain situations or with this, just this one person, right? For these certain things, you, you and I, we need forgiveness. We need it. And we need it badly. There's a great quote that I was reminded of this week in thinking about, um, thinking about this passage and thinking about this, this reality of, of forgiveness, but it's from C.S. Lewis in his essay on forgiveness. It's found in The Weight of Glory, um, a book that uh, some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with. But Lewis writes this, to be a Christian means to for to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Um, I think that's, that's really helpful <laughs> for you and I to, to remember. That there's much that is truly inexcusable in us, if we were to probe the depths of our heart and to be completely honest with ourselves, to feel that sense 
perhaps of conviction, we know that there is plenty that is inexcusable in us. And so the, the servant, let's go back to him for just a second. I think the, the servant erred, he, he went wrong in, in two ways. First, I think he believed that he had been excused from this debt instead of actually forgiven from it. And, and there's a difference here. The ex- excuse mentality kind of says, look, well, I, I, can push, I can push this away and, and I can go and do what I, what I really want to do. I can, I can keep on doing what I want, what, what I think is right. I can, I can just kind of go about my business. Servant didn't recognize that he really was forgiven, forgiven an, an insurmountable, insurmountable debt. And, and second, he, I think this servant acted in a way where he, he wanted to live according to a scoreboard mentality. Scoreboard mentality. And, and here's what I mean by that. Keeping score, keeping track of, of rights and wrongs of others. Clearly he had kept track of this other servant who owed him those 100 silver coins, right? And operated in a way where wanting to get even, wanted to be better than. (laughs) Um, Reality for you and for me is that our excuses, they won't cut it. And there's no amount of good things that, that we can do that will even up our scoreboard before God, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, I'm a big fan of a TV show called Ted Lasso. Has anyone, has anyone watched Ted Lasso before? A few people in here? Okay. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, it has a lot of really good uh, teachable moments, and I think there are certainly plenty of, of Christian themes that kind of come through um, through the show, um, but the show is basically about a, a soccer or a, an American football coach who's hired by a fictitious uh, English Premier League uh, soccer team. Um, this American football coach has had a lot of success, and this owner of, of this soccer team, um, who has just recently divorced her husband, um, basically wants to ruin the organization. She wants to hire this, this goofball coach uh, to come in who knows nothing about soccer and to manage the team. And what you see over the course of the show is that uh, Coach Ted Lasso um, connects with people really, really well. He, he builds great relationships with others. Um, he's willing to, to, to learn. He's willing to be, to be teachable. He's willing to give people second chances so many great things. I could go on and on and on about uh, different parts of the show. But there's, there's one scene, really it's one of my favorite scenes probably in the whole show. But it's, in, it's in the last season. Um, in the first couple seasons there had been a, a, a coach. Uh, or he had started as a manager, um, had, uh, had worked himself up to, to be a coach, was, was a brilliant, brilliant soccer, soccer mind. Um, in some ways, was really the brains behind the whole, whole operation in terms of, of strategy and, and tactics and all of that. Um, 
but he felt like he wasn't getting his due. He wasn't getting his credit. He becomes bitter. He becomes angry. And so he eventually makes some bad decisions, um, hurts his relationship with Ted and, and with, the, with the team. He goes on to become a manager of another English Premier League soccer team. But in this, in this scene, uh, this assistant coach has come back. He's seen that the, that the life that, that he's had with this other soccer team, it's just not living up to, to what it could be. He feels empty. Um, just feels just feels bad and he recognizes that he wants to be back with with coach lasso and with that team and so he comes back and in the coach's office ted is with his other assistant coaches and they're with this one particular coach and ted says he says this i hope that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moments but rather by the strength we show when and if we are ever given a second chance. The reality for you and for me is we have been, been judged in our, in our weakest and our worst moments. Um, but through Christ's death and resurrection, you and I have been, been given that second chance. And, and we have been freed to go and to forgive the unforgivable others. I was reminded of, of one, um, one quote, uh, something one of my professors at Beeson said while I was there and um, in sharing a, in a, little, a little bit about his, his personal testimony and the ways that he had to, to extend forgiveness and as hard and as, as difficult as it was for him amidst just a tragic, tragic accident, he said, look, forgiveness isn't just hard. It isn't just difficult. But it is impossible without God. It's impossible. In those moments where you and I feel like we, are, we, cannot, we cannot forgive for, for when we have been hurt and, and wronged, Forgiveness is possible, but it is only possible in and through our Father, through, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Pretty remarkable. Um, in, Luke, in Luke's account of, uh, of the crucifixion, Luke is recording, recording the events, and, and Jesus is, is pierced on the cross, and of course he's got the, the two the two prisoners, the, the, the two uh, crucified right next to him, one of whom chastises Jesus and the other um, right before he's, he's about to die, goes and tells Jesus, um, Jesus, will you remember me? When, when Remember me as, as you die today? And of course, Jesus tells him, I'll remember you today when, you, when we come into Paradise. One of the last things that Jesus, Jesus did before he died was, was to forgive, to forgive this, this man who, who was rightly accused for the things that he had done. Forgiveness is possible in and through God and through our Savior, Jesus. And so I hope and pray that today and in the days to come, the weeks to come, 
that forgiveness will be kind of like this, this air that we breathe. As we so receive it, we would extend it out to others, knowing that we have been forgiven in ways perhaps that we can't even fully, fully imagine, but only in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for um, this day. I thank you for the gift of, of your word. Um, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us understand and to see and to feel our need for forgiveness. Father, for where we have hurt and offended others, and God, I pray that you, Lord, would work in us. Lord, even when we think it is impossible or when we think we've forgiven enough, Lord, that we would be a people marked by forgiveness and by mercy and by love. Lord, because you first did this for us. Thank you for the gift of this day. Offer this prayer in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.